Welcome, everybody, to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here with my friend, the one and only Dr. Mary Gardner. You are going to hear us uh, talk. We're going to rem- reminisce about the old days. But we, uh, we've we got a, a great episode today. Mary is amazing. I always learn so much when I talk to her. We are talking today about hospice care when pet owners don't believe in euthanasia and so it's a bit of a heavy topic uh but also know that that mary and i we are we're we've been friends for 20 years and we are pretty tight and so you will hear us talk pretty candidly and and we do joke around because that's that's sort of who we are and also everybody who's been in vet medicine knows that sometimes you you have to have a little levity um when you talk about heavy subjects because it's just kind of kind of how you go and how you cope and so uh so you'll hear us joke around a little bit about uh, about some dark Maybe dark stuff uh, on this episode. Know that it comes from a good place. Know that know that it's you know it's a, it's a coping mechanism that that we all have for uh, for for having hard conversations of this type. So anyway, uh, I, I don't want anybody to be bothered by that. But it but uh, but we do we do enjoy each other a lot, and we do we do uh, we do make light of uh, of our profession as best we can. So anyway, guys, that's enough of that stuff. Let's get into this episode. This is your show, we're glad you're here, we want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Mary Gardner. Thanks for being here. Hi, Andy. It's so good to have you back. I love I love having you on the podcast. For those who don't know you, you are a classmate of mine from the University of Florida. We have known each other oh my, for- Oh, 19? Oh, gosh. Like <gasps> we almost need 20 a, years now. We need now. a 20-year anniversary. Next year. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, okay. we do. We, there's, there's other people that we met who could also- <laughs> I'm so sorry. They were also in our class. Uh, but mostly just you and me. I think mostly just you and me. Uh, we should get together. You are also the co-founder of a Lap of Love Pet Hospice, which is almost certainly the largest veterinary hospice company <laughs> in the world. Uh, and so I, I am so glad you're here. And I, I have you and I have, have had many sort of philosophic conversations over the years, and I always really love to hear your perspective on these things. And and I, I saw a like I was a social media post recently. And uh, a young doctor was asking for guidance because she had a patient who needed, uh, who in her opinion needed to mm-hmm. to be put to sleep, and the owners, quote unquote, did not believe mm-hmm. in euthanasia, and she was really struggling with this belief that she was prolonging suffering by, you know, by not performing euthanasia. But the owners were just said no, and it wasn't a question of necessarily them understanding i don't think but uh but they they did not think that that was a thing that that should be done and uh so i it it reminded me of of a case that still bothers me that i had way back at the very beginning of my career when i had a dog with um kidney uh kidney failure and it had sort of acute renal disease and and this dog's kidneys that were shutting down and it was sick and it had been vomiting it was dehydrated and the owners refused to put this dog to sleep and i remember it, it went aneuric at one point and i just you could just see it suffering and it still bothers me today and so uh you have so much experience with uh with euthanasia and pet hospice and you and and you take hospice very seriously as far as ongoing care not just euthanasia and so um you got you've worked with so many people and you've seen this across your whole organization 
And I just wanted to sort of start to get your perspective on uh, oh, what what, it, what it's like to to work with pet owners who say, I, you know, I don't believe in euthanasia or things like that. And so let me just start to set at a, at a high level and say, is this a, is this a thing that you so- see? Usually not so much at Lap of Love because if they're calling a euthanasia company, they're they're they want it. However, with that being said, a lot of people assume hospice means I don't want to euthanize, so I just want to hospice them. And that yes. was a huge um, just misconception. I think when we started it over a decade ago, is is when people heard hospice, they said, "Well, you're prolonging suffering." And I'm like, "No, no, no! You don't understand. Mo- almost almost all of my hospice families want euthanasia. They just want to live well until that time." And that's what hospice really is. It's not mm-hmm. about how you die. So there are some people that call us because they don't understand that. And we'll get to it, but they kind of think of human hospice because we don't we do not have mm-hmm. euthanasia in human medicine. So they kind of then think, oh, well, this then hospice is what I want. So there's a so that would be the only time when people call us at Lap of Love that don't want euthanasia is and then they'll say, I just want hospice. And I think that will be a point I'll bring up. Like, let's talk about hospice, palliative sedation and things like that with the family if they don't want to. Now, you said this post was they were adamant that they didn't they didn't believe in euthanasia. Yeah. So just again, that's just what I took away from the post was that, you know, the pet owner said, we do not believe in euthanasia. We do not. We want our pet to pass naturally. And and yeah, that that's kind of where they came from. And so I have a number of questions of sort of morally, philosophically, how, how do you look at this in a way that, you know, that, that, that makes you feel okay? Is there a way yeah, to make that's... you feel okay? And, and then kind of getting into some action steps or approaches of where, where do you, what do you do from a communication standpoint with the pet owners? Okay. What do you say to them? Uh, and, and then honestly, kind of what, what do you, what do you do? Okay. So first, I said, yeah, no, no easy was... questions. God, super easy. All of them. So first, like, like, like ethically, morally, like that whole world. Right. So, you know, our, our, our degree is to end suffering and prolong it from happening, from ever occurring, right? So, so we definitely want to end suffering. Um, do I believe in euthanasia? Of course, I do. That's part of you know the sure. company. Do I? Do I? Do I understand? Or I don't know if understand is I. I, I respect some people who think differently than me. So if they think differently than me sure. and they don't believe in it. So then, how can we? How what can we agree on? And we will always agree that we don't want the pet to suffer. So that's where we, I always get to that point. Okay, I'm fine, but let's talk about what is suffering. But that's the action items. So it is not for everybody. There are some veterinarians that actually will not euthanize an animal. So yeah, there are really? some. Mm-hmm, like they don't believe in it, just religiously, whatever it may be. So um, so there's that. And there are some, there are some religions, you know, that do not believe in killing animals. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, vegans and things like that that are very anti it. So um so I think it's important to not judge and just really have a good conversation. And so I think there are there are different levels of not believing in it. There's truly, I do not believe in killing animals. And on my on my non-sassy day is or on my sassy days internally, I think, so you're a vegan because because if because are you okay yeah. with your, you know, your steak tonight or your chicken sandwich, but you're not okay with with Rusty, right? Like but I don't say that ever. This is just after a long weekend. Right? Yeah, told, yeah no, I would not say that. I, you know, I'm sure everybody on this call, you have that long week where you're just like want to shake them because they're it's not making any sense and you're being a hypocrite. Yeah. But I will come off my judgment mountain for a second, right? And just say, all right, there are some people who do not honestly believe in, in euthanasia. Then there's others that are scared of euthanasia. And I yes. think that's actually 
more of what we see and it just turns into I don't believe in it because they're petrified of it. Hello, they love their animal and they never want to say goodbye. So they're also on Denial Island and they just don't understand. This may be the first time. They're confused. There's a lot of crap going on that we don't know about in their lives. And so so I think it's really important to have a non-judgmental conversation with, with them first to understand what are their concerns, what are their fears, where are they coming from? Yeah. How do you, so how do you do that? So I, I think this is great. I think you're exactly right. Is to sort of try to dig into this and explore a yeah. little bit of when you say you don't believe in euthanasia, what do you mean? Do you have some, like, do you have wording or a way that you try to set the conversation up? I, I like, I like your idea of working around to, we both agree that suffering is unacceptable, right? I, 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 I like that a That's lot. the first, th that is my first, well, so my first thing I say, let me just try to understand on what, what your belief systems are. So you, so I will just simply ask, but you have to do it in a kind, non-judgmental way, right? You have to say, I just want to make sure I do the best for, for you and what, and what your wishes are. You do not believe in euthanizing animals, right? Like, I just want to understand, or are you, or do you have some concerns, questions, fears, whatever that may be. And if they're rock solid on do not believe, then, then, then okay, I'm not going to do mm -hmm. some of my other stuff. But but sure. really, any and you'll have some that are just like, I don't think it's time to euthanize. So there's the difference between on we'll never euthanize. And also, I don't think it's the time But you're staring at this potato chip of a cat, right? That's like barely moving. I mean, we've seen maggots coming out of their faces and the owners are uh, still like, I don't think it's time. Yeah. So that's also yeah. part of this. Right. So it's it's there's a myriad of, of situations and. I really have seen maggots come out of the cat's face before. So that's why I bring this up. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it, I could have gone my whole life and not known yeah. that. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> so bad. So you have to find out where they're at. And if they're nervous or they just don't want to say goodbye. And, and then and then there's different avenues that will go down. But let's go with the I don't believe in it. So then I say, OK, um, could we agree that we don't want Rusty to suffer, though? And no one's ever going to say no, yeah. right? They're all going to say yes, that they don't want him to suffer. And then my next action item is, what to you is suffering for Rusty? Because, and I, and if, it, if there's multiple people, I actually want them to write it down and not talk out loud. I, I say, I want you to take a piece of paper. I want you to write down what are, what are qualities that make suffering be present? Like, what are some of the things that are happening or would happen in the future? And sometimes just doing that, they'll, they get like a, uh oh, like maybe I, maybe he, yeah, maybe they're, they're like everything on the list they've seen right. happen already. They're like, oh, I'm just, I'm writing down yesterday. Yeah. Correct. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can totally imagine. And now that. you've already, you've, you've, the first thing is to establish they don't want him to suffer, right? So I always, okay, I agree. I don't want Rusty to suffer either. I agree. You know, just keep saying it. So let's talk about what are the things that, that we would consider him suffering. And then you write it down and let's talk about it and share it. And this, this, by the way, is also very good for the owners that don't agree. So the, the, the mom and dad or the spouses or whatever that don't agree with each other. So I say, let's write it down together. And um, and then we have to say, OK, is are any of these things happening right now? Now, there's also Denial Island where they could uh, like maggots coming out of the face. It's not happening. Right. Or they just yeah. don't think it's. I right. get so many. There's this dog that walks around my neighborhood and I swear it's, it's as slow as a sloth. It's it's I could, you know, one wind and it's knocked over. And he's like, he's just he's just mm. slowing down. That's, you know, I, I know it's time soon. And I'm like, this dog needs to be on stuff for gosh sakes. But there he's yeah. on denial island. So got to be got to be gentle. So 
that's my first step. Yes. And then and then let's let's talk about those those things that are they suffering. So my next action yeah. item is doing quality of life scales together because I say because now re, whether we're going to euthanize or do palliative care and making sure that then I and I explain that palliative care is ensuring that they're not that they that their pain and anxieties is taken care of. So wouldn't you agree that we at least need to manage his pain and pain and anxiety? So then I, I like to do quality of life scales together. And that's where I say, if it's the person who's on the fence about euthanasia, these are these are fantastic to do because then you're going to draw a line in the sand with them. There's so many quality life scores out there. Laugh of love. We have some. I have my own in my book, like separate. There's Ohio State has some. So you can just quality life scale and see tons of them. But it allows you to, to kind of draw a line in the sand with the families. If they don't want to euthanize, it allows you to, to kind of manage how their pet is doing for pain, pain relief and anxiety relief. It's like pain scores and things like that, too, are really good. Now, here's the here's the the voodoo magic also is to talk about natural passing. And I say and, and this okay. I usually flip them at this point. So I say, all right, I want to. And you have to sound like you want to support them. So I, I want to support your decision. And you know what I do? Okay. If somebody's so anti it, okay, but but we're going to make sure your, your pet's not suffering. You know, I, I lost my sister last summer, Andy. And, you know, we, did, we didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. We don't have euthanasia, right? She was, she was her last two days, we should we should have had her in hospice for, for weeks before. So don't even get me on that path. But so two days before, and she just had a lot of morphine. And that's. I was like, okay, because we're not, we're, we don't do euthanasia, so let's make sure she's not feeling pain, and she's, she is sedated a lot, right? And that is something that you can do is, is palliative sedation, and talk to owners about what we do in human medicine. So, so if an owner is anti it, I, I, I okay, but it is my job to make sure that that pet is not suffering. So, <clears throat> I want to talk to the owner about what natural passing is going to look like for the disease or the or the ailment their pet has. So a, a natural passing for a dog with arthritis, well, we got years ahead of us, right? Like this is going to be a lot yeah. on the caregiver. This is going to be flipping the dog, making sure there's not bed sores, like your deliverance, there's poop all over that. Like you go through the list and, and I have to explain to them that mother nature usually does not take care of arthritis. Like that's not a disease you die from typically, mm -hmm. right? Unless you're in such severe pain, but okay, your dog has heart failure, your cat has kidney failure. Let's talk about how they will die naturally from that disease. And let's avoid some of the, the horrible symptoms that they're going to experience. So, um, and then I say, and let me talk about the day and, and when they pass. And if you, there's, I have, I have a, um, a little mini movie that I play in my talks and my lectures that's a cat that's dying of kidney failure. And it takes about three hours for this cat uh, to die. And it's just paddling and his head is back. And I'm not, Boy, that's, it's a long yeah, lecture. I, I show yeah. a clip of it. That's a, but, and I don't show like that to family. lecture just right there. I'm like, but what's interesting, Andy, is that so many of us in veterinary medicine have never really watched a pet die slowly. We always intervene, right? So if we've got a pet dying, we intervene. Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah. So we've never sat there and said, okay, this is the end stage of kidney failure, lymphoma, or whatever it may be, and let's watch them slowly die. We We always intervene. So- it was interesting to watch this video to see the cat, you know, pulling its head back, paddling, things like that. And so I'll, I'll say to I'll say to owners, oh, yeah. it may be extremely peaceful. It may be in the middle of the night. 
and it might be totally fine. But I want to prepare you so that way you're not startled or scared when you see some mm. of the things that happen in natural passing. And that usually they're like, well, what's that, Dr. Mary? <laughs> so then I'm like, OK. Because they, they don't know. know, you know, they've got that. They, I, I think you're right. I think people have this, Fantasy. this beautiful idea of, of they'll, they'll fall asleep. Like out, they'll wake up one morning and they, they'll be, you know, peacefully nestled in their bed, peaceful. and that will be that. Hey guys, I just want to hop in really quick and give a quick plug. The Uncharted Veterinary Conference is coming in April. Guys, I founded the Uncharted Veterinary Conference in 2017. It is a -a one-of-a-kind conference. It is all about business. It is about internal communications, working effectively inside your practice. If you're a leader, that means you can be a medical director. It means you can be an associate vet who really wants to work well with your technicians. It means you can be a head technician, a head CSR. You can be a practice owner, practice manager, multi-site manager multi-site medical director. We work with a lot of those people. This is all about building systems, setting expectations to work effectively with your people. Guys, Uncharted is a peer mentorship conference. That means that we come together and there is a lot of discussion. We create a significant percentage of the uh, schedule, the agenda at the event, which means we're going to talk about the things that you are interested in. Uh, It is, as I said, business communication focused, but uh, lots of freedom inside that to make sure that you get to talk about what you want to talk about. We really prioritize people being able to have one-on-one conversations, to pick people's brains, to get advice from people who have wrestled with the problems that they are currently wrestled with. We make all that stuff happen. If you want to come to a conference where you do not sit and get lectured at, but you work on your own practice, your own challenges, your own growth and development. That's what Uncharted is. Take a chance. Give us uh, give us a look. Come and check it out. It is in April. I'll put a link in the show notes for registration. Um, ask anybody who's been. It's something special. All right. Let's get back into this episode. Yeah. So I also share, yeah. so my own dog, uh, Neo, who you might have met back in the day, my Doberman. So he, I, I remember, I remember, remember when you invited me to your house and, and I went out to my car and I came back in and he was not, I found myself locked out. So I went to the back door <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah, I opened the back door and Neo came to meet me, the, the Doberman pincher. And I thought, Oh no, this it's is how you're going to die. To die. Um, right. But it, so he had Cushing's yeah. get adrenal, adrenal tumor, which I had removed and then it, it wasn't benign. So he was doing chemo. Like I, I do, I go, I go full bore on all my animals. They're getting everything. Anyway. It was the day after Thanksgiving and at two o'clock in the afternoon, I went to go help a cat say goodbye. And I came home and Neo was dead in my house and he died without me. And it, it broke my heart because I wasn't there to say, I love you. I wasn't there to make sure it went well. I was, I wasn't there like for so many reasons. And so I, I don't share that so dramatically with families, but I say, if you want to be present, if you want to say goodbye, if you want to ensure that it's as peaceful as possible. The only way we can guarantee that is with euthanasia. So I just want you to know that you may not be present. You may come home and it's not going to be in the bed. Neil was just stuck in the hallway. His legs were stiff. Like I couldn't get him out of the hallway. It was horrible. So, you know, it may not be. And I want to prepare you that you can go run to Publix and come back and Rusty's gone. And um, also here are the symptoms that you may see. And and listen, if it's heart failure. I'm going to say they, he will drown in his lung fluid and, and it's not going to look good. So we need to avoid any of that. So that usually actually a lot of people like get on the train then they're, they're like, I like what you're talking about, about being peaceful. And then, yeah, I, I, that I would, I would process yeah. it that way as well. Even if I had preconceived notions, I think I would hear that I might have totally. to sleep on it, but I think I would get nope. up and say, 
you know what I, I uh, this is not 100 and then and then I'll say and I want to talk about where the emergency clinics are and then they usually say well why would I want that and I just just in case just in case Rusty's struggling with with his departure and I always say euthanasia is not ending life euthanasia is ending the dying process so if at any time and I want to give them that so they don't think I'm judgy so that they can't I don't want them thinking they can't come into my clinic with their tail between their legs, right? Because they're embarrassed. If at any time this becomes too much for you or the process is too difficult for you to watch, please come to us or here, go to the emergency clinic. So they could change their mind last minute because it's not good or rusty with arthritis is not dying. (laughs) I love this approach. I mean, it's just, it's, I I think that, I think that most people have preconceived notions about what, what it would mean to have a natural death or, or, uh, to not to not have euthanasia and then and then just honest education about this is the this is what you're in for and i i do think that clear is kind totally. usually you know and just saying this is what you're this is what this is what i want you to be aware of it's kind of like when we when we do a euthanasia and we tell the person you know your pet your pet may gasp right. or things like that and it's just i'd much rather i know it's not it's not the most uh you know pleasant thing to tell someone but it's a whole lot better than them finding yes. out unexpectedly so, on their own. You know what I do for that? A little, so a little sidetrack. So for me, I always explain that their eyelids will not close. So they'll remain slightly open. They will relax their bladder. And then here's my trick. I say, if anything else happens, I'll explain it at that time. So, and I say that very calm oh. and clear to make sure they hear me. So that way I don't have to list. He may have an agonal breath. He may have a seizure. He may vocalize. He may twitch. He may do the. But if it starts to happen, I'll say, remember when I said, if something else happens, I'll explain it. Let me explain this now, right? So yeah, no, I'm I'm writing that down. That's going in my I'm go, I'm putting that in my playbook. That's right, good stuff. You don't That's, want to scare that makes them. So much sense for the right, but I no. do want to scare them or at least be open and honest for natural passing because again, it can be completely peaceful. And I know people who have said that it's it was perfect, but were they there when they actually died? Or you know, I mean, how many times do we hear people rushing to the emergency room and the pet dies on the way there? Right, like. It, it just happened. Yeah. So, and then I want to talk to them about pain management and anxiety management. So whatever, whatever the species are the best for that. I let, let, if it's morphine, if it's ketamine, like talk to them about giving these medications. If it's a fentanyl patch, like why not? What do we do in human medicine? We highly medicate. And, yeah. and now you've had the conversation earlier about suffering. And say, okay, irretractable pain is is a, is a is suffering. How comfortable are you with with seeing that? And if you don't want to see that, then we must give medication. You have to give this medication, or you will see that. And that's I don't want to ever say fair. It's not fair because that's all judgy words, right? So that's not what that's yeah, not totally. what the experience that you want for Rusty to be, right? Yeah, but. <laughs> when- when people are on denial island, do you do you sort of you go through your your presentations through your spiel and everything, and and then do you just sort of give them some time? Are there are there ways that you kind of circle back around every now and then? Are there things that are there things that you can do to you know? I, it seems to me like they kind of have to come to the realization in their own time. They do. Uh, yeah. Do you agree with that? They do. I I would agree with that. I think I for those that are on denial island and and actually a a good friend of or it was a client of mine and she had her dog and um it had liver failure and it was ascites it was just horrible and um and she called me she's like Mary I've done your quality life scales and I I'm on denial island and I need you to come help me like she's the one that told me that and I'm like okay right and so uh so I said well why don't I do the quality life scale for Darby 
from what I see and let's compare notes. And she literally gave Darby an excellent. And I was like, well, no, Darby's not excellent. And I, when I did the scale, it said euthanasia is appropriate. And so she just said, okay. And she's like, can I have an extra day though? And I was like, hundred percent. This was a Friday. I said, I'll come back on Sunday. And that just helped her. So sometimes they do need to sit back and process it. But, but almost so many clinics do not have quality life skills on their website. That's our number one page on our website is the quality life stuff. Like it should, it should be on every clinic's website. They kittens and puppy stuff, right? You're, uh, yeah, you know, the clinic you work at, you got that. <laughs> We're going to say yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But it's helpful to have, I did a video that's like my number one watched video because it's just me going through my quality of life you know, lecture, but to pet owners. And I just send that all day long to people. And I'm like, watch this. And they're like, oh, that was so helpful. Um, so I think, the, I think, but to the point of they need to process it and start with gentle, kind, kind, kind conversation and information and check back in with them. And do not judge. I had this, I had this one guy that, that was going into his clinic every single day with this cat that was the pickle cat. Mm -hmm. And we went to go euthanize him, the cat, or we went to go do a hospice appointment and the woman was in her fifties, but she had early onset Alzheimer's. And when my vet started to talk about euthanasia, like when it's time, you th this woman just went bonkers and she was just like, how dare you talk about killing my cat? And, you know, it just set her over the edge. Yeah. So, so the wife was like, went away. And so the husband said, I can't euthanize my cat because my wife is, this is my, this is what's happening with my yes. wife. And she's going to, it's going to set her back mentally with her disease. Yeah. And so he's like, can you guys sneak in in the morning and do and just euthanize the cat so it could look like it was it was euthanized. So I called the clinic, though, this, you know, just because I was like, I want to talk to the doctor like normally. And they said, thank you for telling us this, because he comes in every every day for sub Q fluids. And we didn't know why he wasn't euthanizing this cat. <laughs> so, yeah. They just assumed he just was on Denial Island or he yeah. didn't believe in euthanasia. And he just didn't know. He he was up to his eyeballs in life. Yes. Oh, and yeah. And he needed help. So so we helped him. But oh, it man. was, uh, it's so it's so important to just try to have open conversations and, and leave your judgment hat at the, at the door because this is tough. And remember, it's the worst decision anyone has to make. It's the oh, worst. Yeah. So of course they're having, they're going to have struggles. Of course they're not going to understand. Of course they want to say, I want every last minute, right? So I get it, I, I, as do I. But I want, to, I want them to avoid what I had with Neo. I think, uh, I think it's probably good for us as veterinarians and, and vet professionals to have pets because it's yes. always a reminder when bad things happen to your pet. And uh, I know I'm not the only one who's suddenly an idiot. You know, when it's my pet, like I, like years of medical training go, I was like, I think he's fine. He's fine. He's, he's fine. He's right. Fine. I, I remember with Mia, when I was talking to the oncologist and she's like, so his alphabet is really high. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I could not tell you I know. at all what alphabet meant. And I'm like, I, I don't, don't know. know what I... do you want me to do about it? Like what? Milk thistle? I don't, what? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I, uh, if I just, if I don't want to know what it means or if I forget what it means, but yeah, it's a uh, boy. It, it, when it you're on the other side of the table, it, it reminds you of how hard it is. So anyway, yep. Doc, Dr. Mary Gardner, you are amazing. Oh, Dr. Andy Rourke.
Last time you were here, you had your new book was out. It was called Never Long Enough. It was about hospice and dogs. And you have your new book now. It just came out in January. It's called, I think, uh, Nine Lives Are Never Long Enough. It's not, <laughs> the dog book is It's Never Long Enough. Okay. And the cat book is Nine Lives Are Not Enough. And oh. it's all about, it's not just about hospice, Andy. It's all about aging and caring for your senior and geriatric pets. So it's all practical tips in the home. And I cover the ailments, so vision issues or mobility issues, not necessarily arthritis or disc disease, but what to do with a dog that can't walk very well or a cat that's got, you know, vision issues and things like that. And then I do have a, I do talk about hospice. I have a whole chapter on quality life assessment, caregiver goals. I do talk about natural passing actually in that book. So I have a whole chapter on it because I want to address it because because yeah. it is what some people, and I talk about the, the symptoms they may see, you know, the, the, the agonal breasts and things like that. And then I, I also talk about euthanasia. And so that way it might be helpful to direct people to that just for, you know, for them to absorb it. It's on Kindle too, so they could just watch it, look, read it whenever. I love it. I'll put links to both of those books in the show notes so people can find them. Um, where you. are your favorite resources? Of, you missed the quality of life scale, for example. Like, give, uh, where, where else do you like to send people? What are the links that people should have access to? Oh, perfect. So lapoflove.com absolutely is the first one. So we've got a ton of things on there. And we are redoing um, a huge pet hospice journal that I that I developed back in 2012. And we're revamping it. And so it's going to be, it's just a badass diary and quality life assessment and things like that. So that'll be out by the end of the year. And also uh, drmarygardner.com. I've got a lot of good resources and my YouTube channel is good too. So it's, it's Dr. Mary Gardner on, U on YouTube. And that's where I have my videos on quality life assessment. I even have like me with my other dogs. Like even, I even, I have one that's like, even as a vet, it's hard to say goodbye. Yeah. So I think it's, I think owners really love when we're honest about the struggles that we have. Like you said, they're they they know then we're human also. Yeah. Oh, man. I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes. Thank Mary, you. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I I got new tools in my toolbox. That's, that's a win of a podcast for me. So anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you. And that's our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, thanks again to Dr. Mary Gardner for being here. Check the show notes for links to her books. Uh, I put uh, the, uh, the quality of life scale links in there as well. Gang, um, take care of yourselves. Be well. Talk to you later. Bye.